this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Well, we finally have our schedule. What games are you looking forward to? Nick Kevin, the commissioner of the National Cross League, will stop by to get us set for a brand new season. There's a lot of games to catch up on NLL YouTube and the team in get new coaches. All that more on OTCD. I am an My name is Teddy Jenner and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League Action. Matthews quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the shame of the year right there. Oh wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots and he's gone. Everybody, my name is Teddy Jenner. Welcome back to the show. If you're on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, maybe you're listening to Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. Thank you for stopping by. Great conversation with the Commissioner Nick Sikevich on this week's show, and we try to answer some of the questions that maybe you have about heading into the new season, whether it be fan engagement. Betting, neutral site games, Team 16, we'll get into all that with the commission. Before we get started, this is being put out on Friday um, in out of respect for those who lost their lives and for those that went through the struggles and those who have been affected by the residential school tragedies in North America. Thursday was National Day of Truth and Reconciliation, and it just didn't seem right to put this show out on a day where we should be reflecting, talking about, and learning about the horrific tragedies that were done to the indigenous people of these lands hundreds of years ago, 50 years ago, and in between. There are no words to describe what that must have felt like. 
And to have to live with that pain and that burden must be an incredibly heavy one. I do not know anyone personally that was at a residential school. I do know people who have family members that went and were part of residential schools and taken away from their families and robbed of their livelihoods. But it is something we can all continue to learn about and talk about. And there are some very educated and knowledgeable people that we can all talk to about. The fellas at Turtle Island Lacrosse, Lyle Thompson, Cody Jamison, Randy Stotts, Tyson Bomberry, Gleewade Mitchell. Take some time and have those difficult conversations. We talked about it during the Black Lives Matter movement of having those difficult conversations. And we need to be having those conversations with our brothers and sisters of indigenous heritage because they are going through something that most of us can't even fathom. And so we must take some time and learn, show some compassion, some understanding, and continue to not let this ever, ever go untalked about again. This cannot be a secret anymore. We need to continue to find the answers. We need to continue to bring these children home. And we continually must remember that every child matters. So let's dive into the NLL schedule, shall we? There are some games of note that you may want to mark down on your calendar. Obviously, opening weekend, December 3rd. We all thought it was going to be San Diego and Colorado, but it sounds like due to some... Mid-range changes, and there were a few. It's now going to be San Diego and Vancouver opening the season December 3rd at Pachanga Arena. I'll have the call along with Cooper Perkins. Well, actually, Cooper Perkins will have the call alongside me. And it will be the first game in, what, like 600 days? It'll be long overdue. Um, some other notable games on December 4th. Uh, first game in Hamilton's first Ontario Center. And the first game in Hamilton since 1998 when the Raiders were there. Inaugural game for Panther City is the same night on the 4th. We got a rematch of that incredible back and forth, late fourth quarter overtime comeback. Between the Rush and Thunderbirds. I actually went and watched that game back the other day. Incredible. 
And it's funny when I watched it. And there's the goal by Austin Shanks where he basically like rolls it right along the ground from the right-handed shooter spot and it beats Evan Kirk low. And then a couple shifts later, he takes a shot and Kirk is like all the way down on the ground, but missed. And it was almost like he was setting him up. Go, I'm going low. I'm going low. I'm going low. And then the goal that tied it was one of the tightest short side angles you could get. And he put it junction and down. But he had Kirk dropping. And that was all because he set it up. And you can break down those types of things and you go back and watch NLL games on YouTube because there is a ton there right now. I highly suggest that to kill some boredom up until camp and up until the season gets going December 3rd, head over to the NLL's YouTube page and just go back and watch some of your favorite games and just get excited for what's to come. Uh, December 10th, First home game for Panther City is they will host the Vancouver Warriors. December 17th, the return of Dane Doby to Calgary. And Callum Crawford's return to take on the Firewolves in Albany on the 26th. But again, if you want the full schedule, just head over to the NLL's website, nll.com. And you can have a look-see. Uh, not, you know, I think there's, what did I count? Three Thursday game, four Sunday games, everything else Friday, Saturdays. Um, there are multiple moments this year where there are upwards of seven games on one day and usually those are Saturdays and first weekend case in point the very first Saturday December 4th there are six games on Saturday four of them starting at 7 p.m. local time two of them at 7.30 and oh yeah all those games are Eastern the only Western home game of all of week one is Vancouver at San Diego. On Saturday, Sask at Halifax, Panther City at Philadelphia, Albany, Toronto, Colorado, Georgia, Rochester, New York, Calgary, Buffalo. So one of those games for us up here in Canada will be the TSN game of the week. So we'll be able to watch that one live on TV. But all of those other six games will pretty much be all on at the same time. And thankfully, the NLL and TSN will be streaming all of those other games. So if you have a setup where you can be watching multiple games at once, kudos to you. But let's get out ahead of this now that there are going to be many times throughout this year where there are multiple games going on at the exact same time. 
But that happens all the time in every other sport. And we are getting to that point where we're getting prime real estate on the weekend time slots in these arenas. And that is huge. And if that gives us prime times, Saturday night, Friday night, game of the week on TV, that also is huge. So it's great. We got a schedule. We can start planning our road trips. We can start to figure out what games we want to see, when we want to see them, where we want to see them. And like I said, there's only like three Thursday games, four Sunday games, everything else is Friday. Saturdays, there aren't as many double headers. There aren't as many bye weekends. And it is, in all honesty, in all honesty, I think it's a pretty favorable schedule for everybody. Sure, there are going to be stretches where teams are not playing lacrosse for a few days. The Halifax Thunderbirds have a stretch where they have 20 days off between games. That can either help you or hurt you. If you got bodies banged up, gives them some time to rest. If you're playing some good lacrosse, maybe it kind of slows your momentum down. But for the most part, all teams are going to have something like that. Just looking at the SEAL schedule, they play the first game of the year at home. They don't play another home game until January 8th. And then from January 8th to March 5th or 6th, they only play four times. So because we're trying to accommodate all these teams who have all of these specified dates that they can get, there's going to be there's these moments where there are anomalies of the, in the schedule, whether it's, you know, uh, a weekend where you play twice at home, which is incredibly rare. That's almost never seen in the National Cross League for a team to play two home games in one weekend. I believe both Calgary and Philadelphia do that this year. So overall, I think it's a really good schedule for everybody. Give and take those, you know, little quirks that every team is going to have. Overall, I think most teams will be happy. And if you ask a lot of the GMs, they really don't care. You tell me when and where to be there. I'll have my team ready to be there. One game at a time. One week at a time. That's what has to be your focus. You can't be looking ahead to those games down the road. Or that you know long stretch of five road games in a row. Whatever it may be. You just have to go out and get the job done each and every week. Before we get to Nick Sakevich, the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, don't forget, head over to nllshop.com in the U.S., fanatics.ca up here in Canada for all of your NLL swag. All the teams are there, including the new-look Roughnecks, the flashy new gear of the Albany Firewolves, the purple and black of Panther City Lacrosse Club, and every other team in the league, hats, Hoodies, shirts, you name it, they got it. So if you want to look your best for NLL opening weekend, a weekend where every single team is in action, 
make sure you head over to nllshop.com or fanatics.ca right now and get the best gear in the league. Nick Sikiewicz is hoping this is one of the best years in National Crossing history. It has been far too long since the NLL has played a game, and it will be a much-needed relief when we get to December 3rd. It has been a long time coming. There's been some long days, some quiet days, and a lot of even more harder days to be in the position of running a professional lacrosse team. But we're at the point where we can continue to take the next step to getting this league where it needs to be. The first step is getting back playing games. Nick Sakevich knows the importance of getting back in front of the fans. This is a one-on-one chat with the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Joined now by the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Nick Sakevich, as we get closer and closer to the start of the new season. Nick, how are you, sir? Good. How are you, Teddy? Uh, I am fantastic. It has been a, a little bit while since you and I last chatted, but uh, we now have a schedule. We have all 14 teams set and ready to go for the new season. How excited are you to finally get back to playing lacrosse? Well, it's going to be really good. Uh, it's been quite a long off season and way too long off season for <laughs> all of us. It's just going to be great to get back to playing lacrosse. With 14 uh, teams. Yeah, and, and soon enough, we'll have 15 and hopefully uh, maybe 16. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But as we get you know closer to camps and, and this process of, of creating a schedule has been going on, how, how difficult was it uh, you know, with, with NHL and NBA teams trying to find their dates and arenas trying to fill them um, and everything going on with COVID? How tough was this schedule to put together? Well, it's always tough for the National Lacrosse League because we play in some of the biggest arenas in North America and there's NHL teams and NBA teams and music shows and family shows and everything going on in these um, in these venues. So it, in a normal year, it's difficult this year because there has been so much pent up demand and ticket sales are skyrocketing higher than ever in most marketplaces. Uh, there's a ravenous um, demand for fans to get back into arenas. We're seeing it all around the world, not just in North America, but in, in other parts of the world with other sporting events. Um, it's made it really even more difficult because the arenas um, have to try to regain uh, the money that they lost during the shutdown. And they're booking, there's fast booking events in all the arenas. It's not just the NHL and NBA schedule, but there's a lot of concert promoters and tours and other events that want to get booked into these into these arenas. So it's been um, it's been even more of a challenge. But we have a schedule. Uh, we put it out yesterday. Um, it's great news. It's a great schedule. We have some mm-hmm. amazing matchups. Um, you know, we welcome the 14th team, the um, Panther City Lacrosse Club, which is going to be really exciting and um, playing in two divisions. So. You know, we're, we're really super excited to get started. You know, um, we're working with the broadcast partners to, um, to nail down which games are going to be the games of the week and which games are going to be uh, scheduled for TV. Um, 
as we we move forward and we we originally had a schedule for that opening weekend and it kind of changed a bit philadelphia decided they wanted in on the opening weekend was there a lot of movement and was there like you know schedule draft number one two three and four that you kind of had to go through yeah maybe five six seven (laughs) eight nine and ten um yeah it's it's like uh it's it's like herding cats on the one spot you know it, it's just very complicated it's really a team effort all the way around um every department in the league every team in the league multiple people at each team are involved in the iterations that go through developing a final schedule and it's, it's really a team effort but we got a good one i i really looked at we had a lot of weekend matchups, Saturday nights, a lot of, lot of Saturday nights, mm-hmm. which we're fortunate to see. Um, so it'll be good. I think the fans will really enjoy this schedule particularly. Um, you know, in, in years past, because of sort of the issues that we've talked about already, you know, the NL had, you know, Sunday games and early afternoon games and Thursday games. We still have a few Sunday games and still a few Thursdays, but for the most part, Friday and Saturdays. How important is that for the league to continue to get more eyes on the sport? Well, really important. So the primetime, you know, schedule everybody wants is seven o'clock local time on a Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. That's, you know, historically been the best and most available time for fans to get to the game. But, you know, we have a lot of those, which is really comfortable to see. The other thing that was comfortable to see is that we've reduced the number of back-to-back games. And I think for the players, that's going to be really good that we don't put that stress on the back-to-backs and and we were able to, with this schedule, be able to reduce that. Uh, Not a lot of, yeah. I think a large part that's a function also, you know, we've got another team in the league that can be available to play on a weekend. Yeah. And, you know, starting that first week of December gives you a few more weeks, less back-to-backs, less bye weeks, less double headers. Um, It's a good spot for the National Lacrosse League to be in. For the fans, are they going to be able to have as much engagement with players as in years past? Or because of COVID regulations, are some of those fan engagement events kind of going to be put to the wayside, do you think? Um, We're still working through our COVID protocols in the arenas, but I think a lot of those decisions are being made for us. We've, we've seen a lot of arenas come out almost every week. There's arenas that come out and say, uh, unless you're vaccinated, you can't get into the arena. Um, and so those decisions, I think, are probably at the end of the day going to be made for us. So if you're a player, if you're a fan, if you're a worker in the arena, um, you're not going to be able to get in unless you're vaccinated. But I think in terms of those uh, player appearances and those opportunities to get in front of the players it, it they may be impacted yeah i'd be lying to you if i said they wouldn't um uh, that those we have to look at you know what's been challenging really is that each municipality in the united states and each province in canada has its kind of own protocols and it's mm-hmm. been managing through all of that it's also been pretty difficult um we have a big meeting with our league doctors and it's like a four-hour meeting coming up to go over the final version of the protocols that we're going to put in place for the season, and then we'll, we'll be announcing that shortly after that meeting. Have you heard of or felt any pushback from players who may not be vaccinated and don't want to get vaccinated and, and kind of their feelings toward how the season will go? 
Not at all, Teddy. We, we actually uh, polled our player pool and the vast majority of them are vaccinated. Um, you know, we did an analysis of every player in the league and the draftees and all of that and anticipating that they'll come into the league. And I, I want to say we're like in the high 90% of our players are vaccinated. That's awesome. That is, that is great news to hear because we want everybody to be able to play and everybody to see all their great players playing. Um, in, in years past, uh, we've wanted to do the outdoor game at Miramar. Uh, we've had Vegas. Um, there, there's been hopes of kind of doing these neutral site games to build excitement and stuff like that around the league. Uh, with the schedule out now, uh, I don't think I saw anything that was predetermined to be a special event, but do you have anything that like that planned for this year? Um, not for the regular season. Um, that's not to say something might not come up or an opportunity might come up where, where we can do something and shift the game to, to be a special tent pole event. But mm -hmm. we are working on stuff in the off season with some, some of our partners, you know, we've made some big announcements with partners um, over the last couple of years with local grassroots partners. And we are having conversations with some of them about, you know, celebration of lacrosse uh, concepts and all-star games and that type of thing, not during the season window, um, not during our competition window, but during the summer and early fall. Nice. Um, speaking of, of the players, uh, where are the union and the league at with a CBA discussion? Yeah, um, actually your timing's great because tomorrow we have our first in-person meeting um, that the, that's not to say we haven't been talking. We've been talking a lot. We talk every week and have been for the last year and a half. Well, ever, ever since the new leadership got into place, which was, I guess, about a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. Wasn't that, that was back in September of last year um, when Zach and Reed took over the, the Players Union and changed the name to the NLLPA, which was, I thought, a very smart and good move. Um, we've been talking to, we talk to them every week and have been working through all the, all the issues and all the stuff that we need to work through. And tomorrow we have our first in-person meeting, which is really nice. It's going to be good to see those guys in person. Is, is there one issue that you think um, could be the, the crux of a, a long-term good CBA between the two sides? Even if there were, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Well, those are private negotiations and discussions. And when we come to an agreement, we'll be the, we'll be the first to tell you. Yeah. Um, Pet MGM is a huge partner with the National Lacrosse League, and that's opening up doors for, for gambling on professional lacrosse. Where are, are we with, with that process and the hopes of both Canadians and Americans on either side of the border, um, you know, putting a five spot on a game of the week or, or having prop bets or, um, you know, regular game day lines for NLL games. Well, I know for sure fans will be able to do that. Uh, when the season opens up, we're, uh, we're in the process of finalizing marketing and distribution deals with, um, not just bet MGM, but others. So I think you'll see, uh, a number of bookmakers, um, putting lines out. Um, I'm hopeful we have to close those deals in the next couple of couple of months before the season opens up, but we're pretty confident. We're going to have at least one, if not multiple bookmakers, um, ready to, ready to take your money. 
<laughs> They'll definitely take my money because I'm terrible at betting. Um, the last time you and I talked, uh, I asked you about the league's plans to maybe hold off on expansion once we got to 16. You kind of surprised everybody in saying that, you know, you want to just keep going. Um, what was the change of that? Is it just the demand um, of people wanting to get involved in the National Lacrosse League? It's not just the demand, and there is a lot of demand. It's um, it's really the scale of the league, you know. And in, in sports these days, go big or go home, and having a larger geographic footprint really drives everything. So, you know, five six years ago, the National Lacrosse League did not have a media business. It did not have much of a commercial sponsorship and partnership business. It did not have an e-commerce business. It did not have a sports betting business. All it pretty much had was nine teams that had a piece of turf and they could play nine games and make some money off of that. That was the National Lacrosse League in 2016. In 2021, the National Lacrosse League is 14 teams with new revenue streams and media. You know, if you remember, we had NLL TV and then we had BR Live uptick. And now we've got TSN and a to be announced US partner um, which is will be unprecedented. We'll have linear distribution. We'll have digital distribution. We'll have multiple screen distribution. Um, we'll have watch and bet opportunities with bookmakers. Um, very, very much more sophisticated business and media. Um, we've had double digit growth in our commercial business year on year from 2017 to today. Um, and with this, these new media deals, we expect our commercial business to explode and really move to a different level. We signed a Fanatics deal, so we have an e-commerce revenue stream now um, to build upon. Um, what did I miss? Um, <laughs> well, well, we have an expansion business. Of course, that's been growing nicely as a result of the new teams coming on board. So the reason we want more teams is to build a footprint. And when we build the footprint bigger, each one of those revenue streams grows and jumps. So, so that's, that's the idea, you know, we, we made that, that's not to say Teddy that we won't take a, a year off and reset, or we won't take a breather um, going with team 16 and realign the league into a different conference alignment and that type of thing. But there's a lot of demand. There's a lot of markets. I get, you know, a lot of calls during the weeks and months over the, over COVID. And we made two great announcements with, Fort Worth and, and Las Vegas, and those didn't hurt um, in terms of marketing the league and bringing uh, awareness to the league. So it's it's been really good. So, you know, we just have to be smart and strategic and not overexpand and make sure we bring in the right owners in the right markets um, with the right arena deals and we'll be in good shape. But expanding the footprint expands the revenue. Expanding the revenue means everyone's boats rise. Um, you're good at keeping secrets. Um, team 16, anywhere down the pipeline soon? Yeah, uh, we're, yeah, we're, we're, that's a secret that I'm probably not going to keep, be able to keep very long, but we are, uh, yeah, we're close. We're, we, we have several targets. We have several, uh, not several, a couple of, in one market, we have a couple of bidders, um, so I'm, I'm feeling really bullish about Team 16. That is amazing news. Um, you have Fort Worth, Vegas coming. You're now in Albany. You're back in Hamilton. Um, 
these newer sort of markets are, are finding footholds in the National Lacrosse League. How excited are you um, to be going to these different places and rekindling, you know, past loves for the Ontario Raiders and the Albany Attack? Well, it's great. It's great. But this time we're going in in the right way mm-hmm. with the right owner, with the right arena deal. Um, it's a different time. So the sport of lacrosse is more, more matured than it was 20 years ago or 15 years ago. There's more kids that have grown up on it and are playing it. And those kids aren't necessarily kids. They're adults. So it's, it, you know, it's, it takes time. And it takes time. I had a front row seat over 30 years and in soccer and, you know, people, when I played in the eighties, people said soccer's never going to make it, never going to make it. Well, you have 50,000 people sitting in arenas now watching soccer games across us and Canada. So never is a long time. Don't mm-hmm. say never. Um, and that's what's happening to the NLL. It takes time. It takes smart management, careful investment year over year over year. And all of a sudden you wake up one day and you have a major sport on your hand and, and a sport, a major league on your hand. So takes patience, takes investment, takes strategy, takes smarts, um, keep the mistakes to a minimum, uh, keep the successes to a maximum. And, um, and that's, where, that's how you get to the, to, to the finish line. Uh, the Arena Lacrosse League just an- announced uh, Arena Lacrosse League West to help more Canadian players continue to play the NLL style of game during the NLL season. Um, in hopes to, you know, create a bigger player pool and keep guys in shape and ready if they get the call. Do you see this as being sort of a, a farm league system? Is that a hope for you guys in your conversations with um, the ALL? Well, all those leagues are. The partnership with the ALL was for that reason specifically. And Paul St. John and his guys up there are doing an amazing job and so excited that they're expanding west. Um, you know, we, we work with all the leagues. We're about soon going to make an announcement with another big local partnership of a league that really drives a lot of players into our league. And, and there's a lot of value in that. And, and then there's our partnership with us, us box in, uh, in the States where, you know, they're developing the next generation of American box lacrosse players. We have a relationship with USA lacrosse and, Canadian lacrosse and all those relationships are really very important. And every one of them has player development related initiatives within them, as well as commercial initiatives, but really aimed at growing the game and developing the next generation of young players because we need them, whether they're Canadian or American, we need, we need more players to fuel our league. We are two months away from NLL faceoff weekend. Um, Which game will you be attending? You know, I haven't made my schedule yet, but it's safe to say I'm going to be attending as many as I possibly can. That's for sure. <laughs> as many as the air, the air flights and uh, <laughs> transportation modes will allow me to attend. So, well, we've got uh, 20 that odd reminds weeks. Me, that reminds me, I got to get after my schedule. And take a look at <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure Sharon will take care of you just fine. Uh, Nick, as always, this is a pleasure, my friend. Um, it's not easy being in your shoes, so I appreciate you filling them, and we'll talk soon, my friend. Thanks so much. You bet. Thanks, Teddy. There is the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Nick Sikevich. Um Interesting to hear him say, I believe he mentioned the word all-star game. Um, 
which is something that we haven't seen in the National Lacrosse League for quite some time. And you're either for or against All-Star Games. You're not really in the middle. But in a sport like lacrosse, where the biggest draw to the game is the intensity and impact and hitting and contact that goes along with it. And it that doesn't lend itself really to all-star game formats because then it just becomes, you know, like basketball, all about the offense. And... You can't really coast in lacrosse, right? You can't. Hockey, you can glide. Basketball, you can just, you know, jog down the floor and let there be a dunk and no one really cares, right? In lacrosse, you got to get up and down the floor. And you got to get on and off the floor. And the way that you know, checking works and stick work and slashes and cross checks, you know, you can't really do that lightly. And yes, you know, you can put up 50 goals and 100 plus shots and see some dramatics and some crazy skills. Absolutely. But it is probably the worst event if you're a defenseman. Because, yes, you are an all-star, and you're there for a reason, but you're not really there to put a guy on his ass. You know what I mean? There were two standout efforts from all-star games that I can remember. One was in Colorado, and... I think it was Glenn Clark on Jay Jalbert or is the other way around. But one of them hit the other like from behind into the boards. And it's the biggest hit I'd seen in an all-star game in quite some time. The other was the year, I believe it was in Edmonton. And Jeff Snyder was still pretty young in the league. But still as dominant at taking draws and just being a standard pain in the ass that he was in a good way. Um, But he was like, I think he won MVP that year. And I think he had like seven points, a bunch of face-off wins. His knees were bloody because he was diving all over the floor and driving in the net and crease diving and all this stuff. Like he was not losing that game. And that's the other side of the coin that you usually don't see. You don't see guys just busting their ass going all out 150%. I'll just, I'll I'll never forget that work ethic and memory of Jeff Snyder in that all-star game. But you know, the other issues with all-star games are when do you have it? Because in years past, you know, they've had it in season but if you have it in season, do you create a whole bye week or do you have guys, you know, as they've done in the past, playing the night before 
and having to fly from one side of the country to the other to play a quote-unquote meaningless game the next night. And sure, you could say that the winning, whichever conference or division wins the all-star game, that team gets home floor advantage in the, the finals. But then that takes away the lure of being, you know, the top team. Like say Calgary wins the West, but the East wins the all-star game. And Calgary had the best overall record. So because they lost an all-star game, they don't get to host, you know, the first and third game of the finals kind of brutal when you think about it right so there are a lot of logistics that go into an all-star game but if and how nick sort of worded it he said out of season events so probably after the season is over maybe sometime in the summer and you have an all-star game maybe it's an outdoor all-star game maybe it's an indoor and a bigger uh structure like a bigger arena, somewhere we don't usually go. But the other, another thing that these are all just thoughts flowing freely, as they do, is getting a crowd base to that all-star game. Because if you go somewhere where crowds don't really draw well, like that year it was in Edmonton, the rush were, you know, getting six, seven thousand a game, and I maybe put like eight or nine in there for the All Star game. It just didn't look good. When it was in Calgary, or sorry, when it was in Colorado, Mammoth fans absolutely love the National Lacrosse League, and so they put a ton of people in there. Um, they've had it in Buffalo, and it's been hit and miss. So finding the right place to do it is essential. Because you, you want to put as many people in the seats as possible. And I think Jumbo mentioned it on his show, you know, maybe put it in Vegas before Vegas becomes a team next year to maybe draw up some more excitement so fans can get a glimpse of what the NLL is after seeing it, you know, two years ago with the Mammoth and Seals. Not a bad idea. Don't hate it. But I think for it to be as successful as possible, you kind of have to be in the golden horseshoe of Ontario, upstate New York, where you, you have the biggest grouping of fans within the shortest distance to travel. You, know, you can get Albany, Rochester, Buffalo, Southern Ontario people all to an arena within a few hours as long as you know you can cross a border driving and all. But that's a story for another for another day. But that is an interesting thing that came out of the interview with Nick Sakevich is, you know, possible neutral site, out of season game, possibly an all-star game, could be in the works. Team 16 sounds like it is very close to being done. Um, with them wanting to continue to balance. East and West, all signs point this to being a Western team. So you can go Saskatchewan right down to Fort Worth and all points West. Edmonton, Minnesota, Winnipeg, 
Although Winnipeg is east of Saskatchewan. I don't think if you bring in Winnipeg, they become a Western team. But again, that's just me. But like Edmonton, Minnesota, um, Seattle, Portland, you know, it's possible. And they're, you know, I've always been on board with getting a team back in Edmonton. I've always been on being on board with getting a team back in Minnesota. Even back in Portland. Like, when you listen to Nick Sakevich talk, like, when, when, you, when you ask him about going to new, new markets and getting the right ownership, he said, you know, when we did it before, we didn't do it with the right people. And I think, you know, Edmonton was Bruce Urban, but he had a terrible arena deal through the Oilers at uh, Northlands Coliseum, or Rexall Place at the time. Um, the Arlottas, when they owned the Swarm in Minnesota, um, were dealing with the Minnesota North or what are they, Minnesota Wild ownership group, and that didn't go so well. Um, Portland, I don't know. I think Portland, much like Minnesota, they didn't get a lot of community corporate sponsorship and that really hurt them in the long run. But even in the later days of the Edmonton rush, they were starting to do better because Derek Keenan was building a championship team, but they were pretty much already on their way out by the time that happened. But Minnesota and Portland, you could go back to those markets and seemingly pick right back up where you left off around eight, 9,000 people a game. And with the continued growth of the sport of lacrosse, that number can quickly make that next jump to get you to 10, 11 a game. And I think going back to those two markets, as well as going back to Edmonton, would be huge for the NLL. And if you put that team in Portland and you have San Diego, Portland, Vancouver, that's a great little rivalry. If you put it in Minnesota, you have Calgary, Colorado, Minnesota. That's a nice little rivalry you can build. So uh, to get us to 16, to get us to 8-8, eight and eight, it only makes sense that Team 16 be a Western Division team. So we will keep our ears to the ground for that news. Um, but you know, Commissioner seems very buoyed by the fact that this could be a deal that gets done very soon. Um, I know you're all wondering, especially those in the United States, an American TV deal will be announced soon. I keep saying that. I say it every week. When is soon? Sooner, sooner than later. So, um, again, just trying to get I's dotted and T's crossed to make sure everything is in order. Um, but that deal is coming soon. Um, a schedule for TSN Game of the Week will be coming soon. Again, just have to finalize some things, but now that the schedule is out, they can start looking at some matchups that they want to focus on. I, I would imagine that for the most part, they would like to have all Canadian matchups as best they can. Obviously, dictated by the schedule, they can't always do that, but... I think for viewership numbers and trying to get as many eyes on the channel as possible, 
you know, create high rating numbers, having all Canadian matchups will be very essential. But again, sometimes it won't be doable. I've gone through the schedule every week. There is at least one Canadian home game, so that's not an issue. Um, what they will do in the U.S. with their broadcast partner, I'm not sure. If they will take the Canadian game of the week from TSN or if they'll have their own game of the week broadcast. That's still to be determined. Um, so, again, U.S. partnership deal, TV schedule for game of the week, all that stuff. Sooner rather than later, I just don't know how soon soon will be. Uh, let's uh, update everybody on the world-famous Patrick Merrill Invitational uh, Fantasy Football League between... I don't know that. Siri, I'm not talking to you. Everyone ha Anyone ever have that? Not even talking to your Alexa or Siri machines and they just start talking? That was weird. I don't even think I said her name. Anyway, um, the Patrick Merrill Invitational... In fantasy football between myself, Jordan Hall, Billy Greer, Matt Vince, uh, Matty Aldrich, Mike McClelland, Casey Powell, who else is in this? Kurt Wagger, Pat Merrill, and Jamie Rooney. One of these days I'll remember all nine other guys in our league. But Jordan Hall rolling with Mahomes, leading the way 3-0. and uh, I had him on the ropes. But I had a very, very tough, tough go on Sunday. Too many big points left on the bench. But we'll get back on track this week. Uh, we are indeed taking on Matt Vince. I'm a slight underdog. We'll try and make some moves for the roster to get back on the winning track. Sitting at two and one, tied for second. Halsey's first. Uh, Casey Powell down there near the bottom of the standings at one and two, but it's Patrick Merrill. Oh, and three to start the season. He is a much better lacrosse GM than he is fantasy football. So we're going to try and pilcher or pilfer his team for some talent as we move towards week four and week five. And remember the winner of this fantasy pool, uh, will get 10 minutes on air to gloat. The loser gets five minutes on air to, um, congratulate let's say. Um, and as of right now, Jordan Hall looking like a prime candidate to be here for 10 minutes. Um, head of the kangaroo court and one of the funniest guys uh, in the entire national lacrosse league. Some other news in the world of lacrosse, and this is um, a nice little piece of news for the Nanaimo Timmerman Jr. A program. And that is that they have announced Glenn Clark will be their new head coach and Julian Kolb will be their associate coach. Uh, the two of them were supposed to be with the Burnaby Lakers. Colber was already there. But Glenn Clark was brought in in 2019 to start leading the Burnaby Lakers, but it never ended up happening. He was hired in October of 2019 and never got to coach a game with the Lakers, COVID happened. Season was canceled. COVID happened. Season never started. And now he's decided to come to the island and relocate. 
And I think he's going to bring his kid with him. And he's going to be coaching the junior Nanaimo Timmerman. A team that is very talented. Won the pseudo-island championships this year. 2-1 to one over Victoria. Finished the regular season at the tops of the tables. Have one of the best young goaltenders in junior lacrosse. Have a very good young offense. And now, for the first time in a long time, they have a high-level top-tier coach. And this should do wonders for this junior program. It also will probably create a bit of a Toronto Beaches pipeline all the way from the waterfront of Lake Ontario to the shores of Vancouver Island. And Glenn Clark could be bringing some more bodies. And that too will help that Nanaimo program. Program that's on the rise. A program that feels that they can compete for a Minto Cup. And what I would love to see, a little selfishly, is that the next time the Minto Cup is out west, is that it's hosted on the island jointly uh, jointly between Victoria and Nanaimo. I think it would be great for island lacrosse. I think it would be great for both Victoria and Nanaimo to have that happen. And, you know, It'd be nice to have the Minto Cup over here. It hasn't, I don't think there's been a Minto Cup game played on the island since I want to say 88 when they won it. But I'm not sure if one of those split years um, in the like early 2000s, they might have played one game over here. I honestly don't think there's been a Minto Cup game played on the island in over 30 years. So I think as much as the Langley Event Center is a great building for Minto Cups, uh, I believe it would be absolutely phenomenal for the sport if they were able to put it out here on the island. So that's just putting that out in the air for the universe to uh, handle as it may. Uh, in NLL transaction news, pretty quiet week um, as teams mostly were kind of preparing for the schedule release. Uh, the Wings released Dylan Maltz from the active roster. The Swarm signed Lyle to a two-year deal. Mammoth signed Kyle Dawson to a two-year deal. Bandits get Steve, the man in the van, Priolo for two years. And then the Wolves place Jules Heinenberg, Zach Mason, Michael Sowers, Ryan Conrad on the holdout list. And that's, you know, pretty much it. There wasn't a lot of news in the world of lacrosse this week. Again, everyone was just kind of waiting for the schedule to drop. And I thought a lot of teams did a good job in rolling out their schedule. Some teams just kind of did standard graphics, date, time, opponent. Simple, easy, basic, to the point. Others went all out um, using TikTok videos and web shorts and stuff like that. Um, 
And I think all of that is great. I thought the engagement between the teams was good. Um, fans and players alike were getting involved. I thought Panther City Lacrosse Club did a wonderful job with theirs. Um, San Diego as well. Um, a little bias there, I guess. But, you know, I think even the New York Riptide got in the act with, with their, you know, Saturday Night Live style video. And those engagements and that kind of effort goes a long way to not only um, emboldening yourself to your fans and your community, but just creating a presence. And we've seen it in other sports where teams with a strong social media presence, and it's not just about on floor successes, but they drive traffic and they create momentum and they engage with their fans and those types of things are vitally important when building your brand. And Panther City is the newest brand on the block. And so far, they've been doing a very good job of joining the party. Like, opening weekend, Carolina Panthers put out that wild 3D virtual graphic of a giant panther climbing all over their stadium. It was crazy wild. I loved every minute of it. But the Panther City, knowing that they don't exactly have the budget of the NFL Panthers, put out like an MSN paint version of a stick cat climbing all over their Dickies Arena. Like, fantastic stuff. So which team do you think did the best on their schedule rollout? Because a lot of teams put in a lot of effort, and that is absolutely phenomenal to see. Camps start in a little over a month. Most teams will get going first weekend of November. And then there's only a few short weeks for them to trim their roster, get everybody playing on the same page, up to speed, and hit the ground running. Because when the opening weekend starts, it will be a mad sprint to April. Um, some important dates. Uh, thanks to Dave Buchanan for putting these out. Um, training camps can open October 29th. Rosters mu must be down to 21 players as of 8 p.m. Eastern on November 28th. The trade deadline, 12 p.m. Eastern, March 15th. And April 30th, the regular season ends. But between now and then, there are 126 lacrosse games to take part of. And each and every week, we will break them down for you right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. We have some things in the works. We have a new feel to our show in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. But until then... Forget, you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. Email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com or find the show on Instagram, OTCB Podcast. Thanks to the commissioner, Nick Sakevich, for stopping by and giving us some time this week. And as always, thanks to you, our loyal listener, for listening to us right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever it may be. My name is Teddy Jenner. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent. I am an outlaw.